0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Watches, His Dark Materials. This is the television show, we are watching His Dark Materials, Season 1, Episode 1, Lyra's Jordan. I am one of your hosts, Eliana, you might know me as Glass Table Girl, or as Arithmetric, depending on where
1: you are. I am another one of your hosts, Chloe. You might know me from the internet as Liza Arbor on Twitter, Tumblr, or LizaNarborGold.com.
0: Well, everyone, it's here. After 16 years of waiting, I finally got a live-action adaptation of Historic <laughs> Materials.
1: I'm kind of a spoiled brat. I, like, just stumbled upon it and got it now. I feel, like, entitled? Is that a feeling? Should I be feeling that? No, I think you. this
0: is a gift. Everyone is Mystery. special. <laughs> Chloe. Everyone
1: is special. I'm special is what you're I saying.
0: Am. I am indeed <laughs> saying that. Yeah, I mean like, you know, I guess there was the other there was the movie, and that was like fun. We watched that, of course. Patrons got to listen to our takes on that. And surprisingly this episode draws quite a bit from it, and you know, that set the bar for me. This was a this was a good adaptation that we got just
1: just the other yeah. day. It was uh It's hard. I got to watch it, so I guess a bit of backstory. If you guys have not listened to us, let's start off from the top that we usually are covering books, analyzing books. We have, at this point in time, almost finished Northern Lights, The Golden Compass by Philip Pullman. Uh, This podcast will be all spoilers for the main three books. So The Golden Compass, Northern Lights, Subtle Knife, amber spyglass uh we will be discussing components of those books as they appear on screen or as we see nods to them if you have not read that far please log out or if you want to be spoiled stay on we'll spoil you we'll spoil you real good spoil you rotten rotten even yeah but um we are covering the show we are finishing up the first book as i mentioned we also cover a song of ice and fire and have covered season eight of Game of Thrones on HBO as well. So we are very excited to start off with a new BBC HBO produced show.
0: Yep. And we might every now and then touch on some of the information that is in Philip Pullman's ongoing series, The Book of Dust, which of course intersects with the ongoings in His Dark Materials.
1: Yeah. um, If you have been privy to our Northern Lights golden compass coverage we do a dust discussion at the end where we spoil a little bit of what's to come in the books so this whole episode will be a dust discussion is what we're saying but we also do a dusty discussion where i get to monologue a little bit until eliana finally finally finishes La Belle Sauvage and the secret commonwealth will you be done by the end of this show
0: i think i could be if you if i uh commit to it i could be i i don't have any plans this coming weekend really. You could get through a good chunk. I could, I could potentially do it if I remember to do that and not just watch trashy television shows, which, let's be real, is a great love of mine. Lyra's Oxford is a great parallel, right, of course, to the chapter named Lyra's Jordan and it expands it a little. User Twitter-gaze, uh, who if you are not following and you are a big fan of His Dark Materials, whether it be the books, whether it be the television show, even though it literally just started but glad you're like on board. If you have never read it and decided like you're <laughs> in, this is it for you. You're in love, right? You have to be following Twitter Gaze. They are one of the premier, I think, uh, sources for information about his dark materials, but they, they reported that the episode titles of season one at the very least are named after
1: chapters within Northern light slash the golden compass. There's a few chapter changes, right, when it comes to Northern Lights versus Golden Compass. So there's no Mortal Kombat (laughs) chapter.
0: There is no Chun-Li.
1: There's no Chun-Li. But another interesting title change was that the first episode was originally Roger. That was what was released Mm. to the public. And then it changed to Lyra's Jordan, the chapter name, and of course, Lyra's Oxford.
0: I will say that before I knew that they were named after chapters and knowing that Back when we thought that the episode was entitled Roger for the first episode, then learning that it wasn't, I thought maybe Roger will be the name of the last episode.
1: Me too. I was fooled. Yeah, we all were. We were betrayed. We were bam- We were the betrayed. We were bamboozled. I was bamboozled. And I was ready to risk it all <laughs> you know, for that chapter title. Like, I was like, this is the, oh, I was risking it for the Roger biscuit.
0: She's gonna bet our podcast. Someone else.
1: races. Someone
0: else can you one of our hosts?
1: Not me. <laughs> Fuck them kids, Mrs. Gold. That's
0: actually how she feels. That's why she and Azrael get
1: along. You know, both of them. Oh, They're like we have a kid God. together. Fuck them kids. Fuck them kids. <laughs> <sighs> so I thought we should talk about this wonderful question and quote that I read in an interview from Pullman before we even launch into all of this. Uh, Francis Harding, a children's NYA author, asked. If you could lead a revolution in someone else's world, what world would it be? And Pullman said, what an interesting question. I'd lead a revolution in the Narnia story and I'd put Susan at the head because she was the one who was turned away at the end because she was growing up and she was interested in boys. Let Susan lead the revolution of the rejected in Narnia. I just thought that was such a great just a great little passage. For those that are huge fans of fantasy, whether you're coming to this as someone who is fine getting spoiled and has not read the books, um, whether you're coming to this as a book reader, I think this story takes what a lot of us read in childhood as Narnia, or as some of us might not have read in childhood and is read now. I wonder if that is something that really should lead how we feel about this, right? This is a different fantasy that we're about to embark on. It's uh, the people that have the power and how they use that power and their emotions and look at Coulter and the things she does. And it's chilling. It's a different creepy fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. And it's closer to reality than I think a lot of people think.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think part of the way that the books end, right, is to put you back into your own world and say, you have something that you need to do, right? You have seen heroes here. Now go do that in your life. You lead the revolution.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we're going to see a lot of a revolution, and I think it's going to revolve a little bit about this uh, this girl, this girl named Oops. Lyra. Lyra, Lyra, Lyra. Thanks, Kate Bush. Uh,
0: it's the the <laughs> award winning end theme song of the Golden Compass. For those of you who are like, why do they sing Lyra <laughs> right now? Oh
1: my God! Wait, wait. Girls Gone Compass? Mm. No, it's a contender, but no. Well, think about it. The whole season was originally rated R and then got turned to TV 14.
0: It really needed to be TV 14. I mean, it's a show based yeah. on books that a lot of us read when we were that age. I I think it's fine. I would have been mad if it weren't accessible for younger audiences.
1: Like, if the 14-year-olds and under get the metaphors, good. Yeah. Good for them. They're smart kids. I think it's already, like, inaccessible to younger audiences
0: because it's on HBO, right? But, right. just like you know, it's kind of bullshit that
1: Sesame Street is on it. But whatever. But uh, you know, here's my theory, my pet, <laughs> oh. theory, my demon theory, if you will, about it. So I guess they had to modify the monkey so it didn't have a dick. That's really like this is legitimately my yeah. Chloe that's, how lead, yes. that, that's how I'm gonna lead. Yes, that's how I'm gonna lead. Yes uh the, the, it. The brand, the species, the brand, the what? What do we want to call it? Literally, the species type of monkey. <laughs> yeah, the literally the species. This monkey, Coulter's monkey. Its kind. It's not a golden. I know it's like a, not a golden lion
0: tamarin I, because there's I, like a, I know no, those, but those there's are a cuter. name for it. Is <sighs> it a gibbon?
1: Whatever it is, its genitalia is prominent, and I don't know. I'm just saying maybe they cut it because that was just too much you know for the for the people for that was why tv 14 had to happen because the monkey this show could have something going for it i i'm i'm optimistic how are you feeling going into this episode are you optimistic yeah
0: i've waited 16 years for this and i already know what bad looks like and i know that this is not bad okay i've seen i don't
1: even know if i've waited 16 years for anything i've seen i've seen what bad looks like (laughs) <laughs> you looked. It literally eye bad did. And it looked back. Literally, Chris White's tweeted us. It looked back.
0: It did, and I'm sorry for him. Right, this was that was yes. clearly not his vision, but like I know,
1: yeah. we already got that, and so this is already like better. You know, I guess I feel bad. I mean, I know the time has passed, right? Like it's it's twelve years later. Chris White's does not probably want to return to Golden Compass, but I also feel like. He, like deep down it's like just call me i'm here i
0: mean maybe they might have because like again a lot of the direction and a lot of the way that some of the scenes were adapted are very similar to yeah, what absolutely. he
1: wrote watching a lot of this it felt like chris white's script came to life in a lot of ways uh-huh. in the beginning yeah we'll get into that a lot more but there were a lot of similarities a lot of stage directions that i was like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that does go to show he, and you guys, if you want to hear more about this, please, you need to check out our Patreon episode. Last month's patron-only episode was for $5 and up patrons about the Golden Compass, and what? What happened in that movie? From <laughs> what 2007? did happen what? in that movie? What didn't happen in that movie? A lot, actually. Well, we had some, we definitely had some back uh, background info for you guys, some script info, some info from, like you said earlier, Tewitigaze, who is very knowledgeable About some of the stuff that went on with production. Um, Some interviews with Pullman. Some interviews with Whites. Just a lot to piece together to say, hey, this is what happened. It wasn't Chris Whites' fault. Defend Chris Whites at all costs. But it was someone else who actually is still owning the rights. And we are shills. We will never talk about it. So we want to talk instead. (laughs) Me, a His Dark Material shill. I, who gets paid... $8 million by HBO every year. I fucking wish. I wish. Oh my god, HBO, hire us. We can go through expensive
0: film school, right? No one's ever done that before.
1: No one, ever. And didn't get big TV shows. Just handed to them. I could be handed things. I love being handed things. Hand me things all day long, (laughs) HBO. We did get some emails and tweets of note. We do these in our regular everyday episodes. Uh, and by every day, I mean once a week, depending on the brand you follow. We have a friend named Shadow Fox on Patreon who sent us a message saying they've watched the first episode. They have some concerns, which I think we'll probably address these today for sure. Uh, they think James McAvoy was wooden and not convincing as Azriel. They found that strange. He is a good actor, and they hope that will change. I kind of felt similar, but we'll yeah, talk. Yeah, my about. partner felt similarly. Okay, we'll talk about it now. I don't know if I felt like it was like that wouldn't, but I did. I felt like there were moments where he slipped into the skin for me, and I was like, "Yes, I think Stelmaria," which we'll talk about Stelmaria because what a queen! But Stelmaria helped, uh, and I feel like maybe he was just painted a little sympathetically. It could just be like sometimes
0: pilots are rough, right? And it's a pilot, yeah. For me, it was mostly his performances right at the beginning of the episode that I found strange. Uh, I found his other performances better.
1: Yeah, agreed, agreed.
0: But also a lot of his performances, right, are for the most part, like, frantic, etc. And maybe it's just,
1: like, really difficult. I'm not an actor. I only did improv. I mean, I'm imagining at this point that, like, A, it can only get better, right? Like, there's no way this show could get worse. It's not the Golden Compass Right. Like there's no, they have so much to work with and they're obviously using source material. This is something that I'm like jumping all over. It's like there's subtle knife laced in here. Mm -hmm. There was even a couple of hints of the amber spyglass, the subtle knife. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very subtly, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, subtly laced. And there's even some stuff from La Belle Sauvage and even possibly some commonwealth in here. Uh, I feel like they're being very true to source material. They're world building. Um, I think episode two can only get better. Like you said, this is a pilot. This is the first episode. So this is the worst I feel like it can get. So now imagine James McAvoy frantic in the finale.
0: Yeah, I think maybe as he spends more time with the character, maybe he'll settle into it more. Who knows? But he is a good actor, as as said. And I I mean, I'm
1: sure and I know Shadow Fox isn't the only one who felt that way. Shadow uh, Facts said they felt that they tried to set the story up and jumped about and sometimes it knocked into itself instead of flowing and that it could just be first episode jitters. I'm really hoping so because the preview looks really good and that there are definitely several differences from the books. I did mention this on our regular His Dark Materials podcast for Northern Lights and Golden Compass in the last episode, episode seven. Uh, there are differences and they aren't that egregious. I, I, I kind of understand too. He says, "I can understand why they did that. I can too. There are a few things we're definitely going to comment on. Tony Markarios deserves better, truly. Uh, And then definitely, Shadow Fox finishes with Ruth Wilson. Change it all. She's amazing. Highlighted the episode. I know, right, mommy? (laughs) Uh, He's quietly optimistic for the rest of the show, and that's kind of how I feel too. Uh, The first, so I saw it uh, at my." local free public library. They did a really cool thing with HBO. They had a free pre-screening about a week before the show came out. And it was really good. It was a good time. I enjoyed it. They did a scavenger hunt. It was fun. There were pictures. I got to take a picture with Eoric. I'm happy. Uh but I saw it then. I was I don't know if I would say I'm under I wasn't underwhelmed. I was whelmed. I was like, okay. It felt safe. Almost. I was like, okay, that was safe. There were some good choices, adaptationally speaking, that I really loved. Uh, there were a couple things where I was like, hmm, I hope this doesn't going forward do anything. You know what I mean? Like doesn't affect how I feel going forward. But I think it was fine. I think it was fine. And now that I've watched it a second time, I feel really positively about it. I, I think the second watch really cleared it up for me because the first watch, I was like, I don't know, I'm worried. I've seen other things that I love get ruined. But <laughs> this is what I felt better about.
0: Yeah, I think I felt positively from the get-go. I mean, I also just had, like, a lot of, like, excited energy, so. Right.
1: And I didn't have, like, it wasn't, like, for me seeing Harry Potter, right? Like, on opening night as a kid. That's that's kind of what I was trying to, in my mm. mind, like, be like, what does this feel like? Um, I didn't get that excited that I, I was excited, excited. I was excited. But I wasn't, like, brimming. So I think that might have affected it, too. The second time rewatching it and thinking about what i was gonna actually say tonight with you i was like (gasps) okay i'm into it i'm i'm really into it i already had
0: like a lot of things to say that i was excited to remark upon as i was watching it the first time through and yeah we're gonna obviously get into that in a bit so um we have a few more comments we want to get through though
1: uh fanny and mass on twitter I'm Lee Scoresby's less favorite <laughs> daughter. Had to read her name. Appreciate that as I'm repping some Serafina Pakala love right now. They said they really enjoyed the episode. One little tear evidenced my emotion for Roger when he shouted to Azrael, mm-hmm. Big mood. Uh, such a pure little boy. I love him already. Yes. Yes. The G- Egyptians the are everything I hoped for and more. Yes. And mm-hmm. I even liked Marisa as a character. I trusted her. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I-
0: I felt that they did a great job of delivering her um to me, wow, there's that there's Roger. I actually now have some have some thoughts about Roger thinking about this and th- the way that they played him in this episode and what it could mean for later episodes, yeah. which I didn't expect to think of, to address until this moment, so <laughs> more Roger thoughts right from Third Eye Crow,
1: yeah,
0: at Heisenberg Goat on Twitter says really enjoyed that first episode great cast the bar stewards haven't nailed it with roger yes. his cute innocent stupid face is bound to make <laughs> me cry it's guaranteed yes i love how they always give roger like a cute so stupid cute face. the it's nose the on the last Ugh. one the you nose just on the pinch. Compass. you just want you just want to and even in this one his cheeks you just want to like yeah. pop them yeah superb looking set sets the scene nicely and introduces you to a lot Also for people in the UK, I feel there is added layer to the show which will make it incredibly popular, and that is the day of the week it's shown and the time of day being on a Sunday before the watershed will broaden its appeal to a prime time family audience, and for anyone born before 1990, it may bring back fond memories of previous literary adaptations from BBC, like Five Children and It, or The Lion, the Witch, and the uh-huh. Wardrobe, which aired
1: on Sundays. Someone take these member
0: berries away
1: from me. Obviously, the UK gets us a day before us. Uh, I did get to see this before everybody. Don't hold it against me. <laughs> I won't get to do it again. I'll be late next week. I'll be late the week after that. So, I have had Days to stew on this to the UK. Yeah, we're all moving by by the end of the season. Eliana and I will have our new. No, home. we have to do it during the season, and then we move back to the US at the end. Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe our demons will settle. We don't know. Um, I just love that. I love the lore and kind of just like this has been something special, not just for people in the UK, but for people everywhere that have read this forever. Like you, who introduced me to this, I am very grateful for that because I would not have known this or read this without you. Um, it, it feels very special I do feel like I'm intruding a little bit on some people here no. like having opinions on this I'm like am I intruding on people and their opinions because no. I just loved this I didn't have the 16 years I didn't have all that and I wish I did I'm uh, I'm disappointed I didn't I'm guessing it could have been you know I, I don't know why I don't know why I didn't read it I'm guessing it was maybe the two year difference Uh, spoiler Eliana is two years different for me two right two years different different <laughs> There's two years worth of differences between me and Chloe. (laughs) Two years worth. But you had two years I did not to love them is what I'm saying. And I feel like maybe I missed the boat somewhere. You know what I mean? Like somewhere in childhood, I missed it. And I wish I didn't because I love them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I was on a reading
0: list for one summer. I was like, that's a cool sounding book. I read that. I was like, all right, I need to know everything now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Typical. That's how I was too. Here I am yeah so So i don't
0: don't know i don't think there's any intrusion i think the beauty of books and stories is you come into it when you do and sometimes they come to you at the right point in your life and if they don't they'll they're with you for when you need it
1: i mean i also like was raised roman catholic and went to catechism
0: dude i felt really guilty reading the third book i was like is jesus gonna be mad at me for reading this and
1: see now reading it as an adult only i feel like that gif of elmo where there's flames in the background <laughs> <laughs> but not because of this book you feel that way all the time <laughs> i mean also yes but especially now like specifically <laughs> i feel that right now <laughs> uh so i guess let's jump into this right that was a good intro mm-hmm. i think i think we all are ready to get dusty
0: get dusty
1: we're up all get night dusty. to get dusty Is that going to be on the soundtrack, do you think? Lauren, tell us. I did, I did, in fact, like some of those intros. So
0: starting off, right, we have the dust intro. Um, In The Golden Compass, interestingly, they did it as a voiceover. And now they've decided to just... Cut the voice.
1: Yeah, they just had it written out, like, I don't know, in Star Wars. It's definitely HBO style, right? Like all of this is. They give like the subtle, like, here's the words on the screen. And they're sprinkled in dust. And it gives us this little mini detailed breakdown for everyone who's new. It talks about the prophecy, highlights prophecy and destiny apart from each other. We break in after that to Asriel. And
0: I did really love some of the stylistic details in how they put together just this text, right? like, when they explain about the sacred bond between human and demon, I was like, okay, so we're just really gonna only put it up here and tell everyone, which makes sense, especially because you don't get the slow reveal and understanding from the books, but the H in human gets sliced. Okay. It gets sliced in the way that the His Dark Materials, like, logo is, and I was like, oh interesting and also it happens again when they're explaining about a child in prophecy the word child has that slice as well so it, right from the jump you're getting that tie into what's going to likely happen at the end of the season with and and throughout it with uh, the, the mm-hmm. severing which fascinatingly they don't bring up the severed child or a question of is it a severed child in that library scene but we'll get to that in a second
1: yeah I thought that was interesting too they didn't talk about the kid at all or like that was the one thing that they didn't highlight but we will Uh Lyra arrives via Gyropter um, uh, Azrael is wading through some waist high waters he gives Lyra to the master of Jordan College he claims Scholastic Sanctuary and tells him he has no choice she's not safe with him Pan is very small <laughs> I mean I'm not wrong he is Yes, So this is actually, like, not to break it early on, but this is a total dusty discussion thing. This is, like, a little spoilery. Um, I can't believe that they put in the very first scene a huge spoiler to the series. Not a huge spoiler. I mean, you know she got to Oxford somehow. Like, we know Lyra ended up there. That's, like, a... We know. Yeah. Yeah. There is some context to this that I won't spoil, but there's dialogue from one of the books of dust, La Belle Sauvage. Uh, there's a bunch of Latin. I don't think I can pronounce Latin. Do you want me to well. try it? You want to try? Sure. Everyone, I didn't
0: take Latin. I took two other romance languages, neither of them were Latin. So we're going to do this uh, best I can, all right? Secundum legem de. Ref- Fugio scholasticorum protectionem tegimentumque huis collegi profilia mea lyra nomine roposco. Look after her.
1: Scholastic
0: sanctuary for this child. For my daughter, lyra, as I said.
1: She's not a scholar. You'll have to make her into one then, won't you? Bye! That's literally it. <laughs> that's what Asriel does. And then he comes not back later in
0: this all. episode and says,
1: Money, please! Money, where's my money, Daddy? That's literally, oh that's God, literally, literally what Asriel. Money, does. please. <laughs> He's like, here's this prophecy, baby. <laughs> uh, but no, like, really, that is what happens. So, um I loved that. I love that they kept it in. Obviously, adaptationally speaking, they cut a couple characters involved in this moment. Uh, I will detest them with my little petty heart till the day I die, but I understand why they did. I would have done the same thing, however, there are other opportunities they could have brought those people in, and we'll talk about them later. But first, we need to speak about Lyra and Roger because next they introduce another super super just like iconic thing of Lyra and Roger, yeah, just tomfoolery they're causing trouble around Oxford. Lyra's jumping in the housekeeping area and messing things up. They're disruptive. We get to see Oxford. It's pretty. It ends with them drinking wine in the crypts. They uh, chat about demons dying. They chat about demons settling eventually Mm -hmm. into one form because right now children's demons change, right? They change until they settle. Uh, The transition's great too at the end. There's a splash of wine from Lyra's mouth and it transitions into another scene in the north with snow. Overall, A great Roger and Lyra introduction. I feel like we understand her and Roger's relationship in the episode. Uh, Combining this scene and the crypts actually was a great idea. It was a great, like, great strong start. Good job. They included two little nods to book readers in one for how fast the episode was, right? Like, I feel like the pacing was a little weird sometimes and fast, but... It covered four chapters of the story and I feel like we got our worth out of those four chapters. I feel like we really did. Like we spent sufficient time with every relationship that we were shown.
0: We had a lot of the important parts and they were given like some time to breathe, like maybe not a huge amount, but I think that it was good. And like you said, it established the important parts. For example, like, as you said, Lyra and Roger's relationship. I love Roger. You little shit. Just running first. I love it. I love <laughs> that Roger is given just as every bit of a much like care and characterization as yeah. Lyra is. Um, I like that the scholars aren't stuffy about the kids like running around. They're like They're they're busy doing whatever. They let the kids be kids. They scold Lyra a little. They're like, Kids, what are you doing? Did you jump me into the laundry? But no one really, like, scolds Roger, which I appreciate, you know? I do appreciate that. he stands to lose more, right? Because um, he is, like... He has nothing. Yeah, he's the lower class. Sometimes they get punished, but they're letting them be kids, so you get a little sense of the culture there. It's, It's a great little, like, childish playground, and I do miss, and I understand why they didn't include it, I feel like that they get into some of those high drinks with the drinking, but the scene that Chloe and I loved from the books of <laughs> them vomiting. <laughs> and Roger being like, dude, I don't really like this. And Lyra also vomiting Like, yes, and I do, too. That's
1: my daughter, dude.
0: Yeah. We didn't get the thing of the demons and the coins, though. In the-
1: I was... Uh- bummed but i kind of i don't know maybe it's the song of ice and fire game of thrones thing but i was just like at least it happened it's probably not even <laughs> that important right yeah i mean in a way souls and shit but it was cool I don't know, I, uh, it was cool it was very cool and i liked that she got haunted but obviously they weren't gonna like show her getting haunted of it and, you know yeah.
0: it wasn't plot relevant
1: <laughs> it'll be in our hearts yeah yeah, I I thought it was all just so cute. It was very cute. Yeah, and Roger does stand a lot to lose, and it reminds me of like what like Juno, when the stepmom looks at the dad and is like, you know, it wasn't his idea about Juno and uh, Polly Bleeker having sex. Like, you know, it wasn't his idea. Like, it was her idea. And that's how I feel about Lyra with most things. Like, you know, it wasn't his idea. Yeah, but it was kind of Roger's idea a little
0: here. He ran first. <laughs> he pushed it. He pushed. So, I-, I like that they're in it together in a lot of ways. Next, we have Azriel exploring the north. As you said, we transition from that wine splash. So, Mario's, like, literally keeping his shit together. Storm's <laughs> bad. He's taking photograms. He's on Instagram I know. instead of he's
1: scaling a mountain. Asriel, do it for the gram! We gotta do it for the gram, <laughs> Stalmaria! <laughs> Maria's yeah. like, dude, that filter looks awful on you. Turn off Amparo and let's go. <laughs> he's like, IGTV! <laughs> IG Live!
0: <laughs> Seems he has somewhere to be. And then he comes back, he yells at his manservant a little to help him get all of his evidence together. And he's like, I'm going to Jordan! Wow.
1: Big move. And he's like, I'm gonna take our friend with us, and to- out comes this chunk of ice. Oh, uh, yeah, well, at least Azrael has a good head, not on his shoulders, to go with him. Nice. Nice. Uh, I, thought I love that it. Was great. I, I, it's really uh, good. Uh, Stanislaus comes with him. That's cool. That's cool. Okay, okay. They put Stanislaus in. I'm feeling good. Yeah. Yeah, I was like every every little little thing, right? I was like, yeah, do it for me. There's quite for a for bit of reader. setup
0: in things yeah. for like even next season. You know,
1: that's that's how I felt the whole time. I was like, oh, you're setting up a whole entire world. Yeah, they did like, a lot. I'm of that. gonna be able to move around in this next year. Estelle Maria is not only keeping Azriel's life together; she's keeping this show together. Yeah, her fur, her luxurious voice, Mama. Yes, I love. Stelmaria that might be my favorite demon so far her and Pan. her voice is so sultry very sultry very like we need to get down the mountain now Azriel. like okay I'll do whatever you want Stelmaria I don't know I thought it was cool I just thought she was a great bit of this like her tail yeah. I want to pet it I don't know I don't know
0: I don't think she wants you to do and that
1: we weren't talking about what she wanted Oh, okay. Okay. So then we have the opening credits, which... It's so obviously HBO. Yeah. Yeah. I do like it. I like it, it, but it is obviously... A lot of this show screamed HBO quality, right? Like, everything is so... Well, it's BBC. Yeah, right? That's what it felt. I
0: think it's initially mostly produced by BBC. It is,
1: but I could, like, feel the music and the, like... Okay, the Egyptians on their boat and the music they played. I was like, "Is Daenerys Targaryen flying in on her dragons?" <laughs> right? Like it felt very HBO. Like, oh yeah, cinema art. It was funny. I-, I I like it. I'm not saying it's bad, but it was like something that I was like, mm, "Okay, I see your style." Mm-hmm. Um, the song, the the intro song, is very much so a bop. It kind of reminds me of a series of unfortunate events' adaptation song a little, yeah. like not like. Completely, but just like the behind it. Um, we see some dust, some sparkly dust on the alethiometer. We see what I presume is the metal alloy for the silver guillotine cover that. Was that what that was? I don't know. I didn't catch that one. Oh, that's interesting. It was like a metal spring. Um, yeah, it covers. Just pay attention next time you watch it. It like hmm. covers the alethiometer in a little coil. It could be the metal o- alloy for the guillotine and of course for the subtle knife later. Uh, we begin to see Lyra. She's standing kind of at an edge or precipice looking out, you know, the edge of a world. Armies stand behind her. Soul um, her soul stands her. beside her. We zoom out beside her. We zoom out to Lee Scoresby's balloon. We see some stairs. Interesting, those stairs. Uh, we see a zeppelin. We zoom out all the way and see different worlds and even a tease of one that looks like it could have some wheeled creatures on it. Yeah. Some wheels and creatures, to be specific. Not sure. Interesting. I loved it. I loved seeing the different worlds. I think uh, the show is really setting up well for those next seasons. Something the Golden Compass cut pretty much all of. It's exciting to see things that would lend to these other worlds. The upside-down stairs are interesting. I like the idea Mm. of like a heaven reference, right? Stairway to heaven. And the other side of going south, south to, like, you know underworld. Uh and I also thought was there a strange figure on the other side of the stairs?
0: Yes, I do believe that there is another figure on the other side of the stairs.
1: If you zoom in, you don't have to just believe me think, yeah. or you.
0: No, I I really think and I like I said this is the things that we were saying of damn they're really setting up some stuff already for later episodes for that they they kind of like already had those nods right to the amber spyglass with those lenses
1: yeah and i almost am like i'm curious that they had this other figure because is the intro going to change to include that figure more are they going to change that intro scene and like include will or what i would like to think that they will evolve it
0: why not they'll probably have the budget for it
1: like Thrones, right? Same thing.
0: Yeah, I think that was that's a fun thing for people to do. Or you know how like anime opening opening songs like change every season.
1: Oh yeah, this is an anime right? now. <laughs> this
0: is an anime, but yeah, um, you were talking about the stairs, and I really loved the way that they portrayed that. That's something that uh, caught my attention immediately because they're really drawing heavily from the artist M. C. Escher um i'm sure a lot of you are familiar with his work he does a lot of prints right that that have that very impossible looking worlds uh, of stairs that seem to be going into nowhere the stairs that like all like feel like a mobius strip but it's a staircase if you look him up you probably recognize him and he was very inspired by mathematics and art and while of course uh his dark materials is a fantasy there is a bit to which Pullman is drawing from and playing on ideas of like science and stuff and and some physics, but he's like giving it cute names like experimental theology. And <laughs> you were talking a little bit about like that heaven and hell stuff. And M. C. Escher uh, was also greatly influenced by Hieronymus Bosch, who is another artist famous for a triptych depicts also uh, the Garden of Earthly Delights and on the uh, one of the the panels right is hell and escher did his own take on it and so i think that there's something really um poignant about pointing to escher who a lot of his artwork was also inspired by the alhambra which um, has a lot of towers They a lot of them are called the torres del whatever insert thing here so i kind of wonder if to some extent there depiction of what Sitagase will look like is inspired by M.C. Escher. I mean, Sitagase is somewhere in between, like, kind of ancient, but also really advanced in terms of, like, their technology because of their their magic and experiments. So Alhambra, of course, heralds to that with the Mediterranean um, vibe, but also was a place of incredible art and, you know, bringing all of these together could make for some really great inspirations for how they portray all of that. Then you have all of those different worlds, and then they all, like, become stagger along each other. I love that scene, and they become, like, wafers and yeah. turn around, and you see all them... skinny. Yeah, become skinny, and you see sort of ripples coming out from them. And I think that heralds to a lot of different, like, ways that you you see this idea of the multiverse or parallel universes portrayed in fiction, or every now and then you'll see it talked about in um, actual science, but I I mostly am familiar with it, of course, from science fiction, which is inspired by that. But one of the things it reminds me of is a little of that ripple effect, like the ripples is time and different universes, a river or a lake and how one thing can ripple out to the others but I think another thing it kind of reminds me of is string theory which very much has to do with all of those parallel universes so each one of those worlds almost became like a little string right so I think it's fun that they're bringing all of these different visual motifs to convey some of the elements that are going to be in this story um, There are some animals that I was like, why did they pick these animals? It probably doesn't mean anything and just look cool. I wasn't sure if one of them was like a lion or a wolf and the other was a goat. The one goat was a of- wolf.
1: One was definitely a okay.
0: wolf. Okay. I couldn't tell if it was a lion or a wolf. So it's interesting that it's a wolf to me. I did some uh, research on the usage of wolves in in the Bible. Of course, we understand what the goat is, right? The goat has been used as a motif in paganism and to, as a stand-in for the devil In a lot of Christian Mm -hmm. um, visual depictions, but the wolf is interesting if it is that. And in the Bible, wolves aren't portrayed very positively. They're very—they're used often as like the idea of a vicious uh, animal, and sometimes they're used quite often in this idea of like literally the wolf in sheep's clothing. That that language comes up, and that's something that comes to play in this storyline regarding people pretending to be what they're not trust yep
1: yeah
0: Uh, there's a lot in this intro that really excites me
1: i thought it was interesting too that in general there are these demon statues almost in oxford right Uh they're almost just like just regular animals but we know it's different that's their soul those are the probably the demons of what forefathers who knows who had the gargoyles one me no i don't know i don't actually (laughs) very 90s we uh we're not gonna get demons until we finish the amber spyglass that's when our demons settle we already discussed this you guys yeah i'm a child yeah i'm 10 (laughs) i'm (laughs) a 10 year old boy i'm 10 and on the internet what is this i'm a 10 year old boy and all i want to do is go on neopets and talk about boobs
0: i do want to go on neopets i still do an old co-worker a neopets account i was like this is it (laughs) kyle this is your neopet now and i think that neopet's dying
1: mine is like my my uh neopets that i have left is like chloe loves alex or some like ex-boyfriend name oh yeah i remember
0: mine i wish i did i'm worried about
1: them oh my god so after the break we come back of this intro and lyra is in class with the librarian and i love this scene so much
0: yeah it's a really it's a really great scene she's being taught by librarian only magisterium approved things she's bored and then she sees oh Azrael's coming into oxford so she tricks the librarian into finding like a high-up book to read to her then she sneaks out and then she sneak sneakily hides and then locks him out and then she runs across the rooftops to go spy on Azrael and still maria who's looking
1: great (laughs) the true star of the show Uh, I'm just saying, like she looks so good. She's slinking. Her tail's all like, I'm a beautiful big cat. I love, the librarian says that they have to follow the rules if they want to keep Scholastic Sanctuary. Mm -hmm. So, Sanctuary in general, we obviously know what Sanctuary means, right? No one can touch them. Scholastic Sanctuary means no one can touch them. It's a big theme. Sanctuary is a huge theme in La Belle Sauvage, uh, Mm. as you get through the story. And it comes back up in the Commonwealth, I think it's supporting this detail in general is kind of supporting some of what's set up and built in the world of the secret Commonwealth. And I thought it was odd because this isn't something we see in the main three as much, right? Scholastic Sanctuary isn't thrown out as this big theme in the main three books as much, um, as much as it is kind of in the second two books of Sanctuary. So I thought that was interesting that they chose to adapt that into this and keep that in the world building it could just be world building of like this is the world they live in but i also think that whole revolution around scholastic sanctuary is what's important here that like that's going to come back in the future
0: yeah i mean maybe they were just really inspired by that scene in the disney adaptation of the hunchback of notre dame where quasimodo is yelling sanctuary never read the book i probably should i hear it's really good it is really Um, good have you read it yeah oh it's a long-ass book. That's why I haven't started it. I can't even finish La Belle Sauvage. My god.
1: <laughs> I don't read books. I think I read it in high school, actually, now that mm. I think about it. I'm trying to think it was a high school or college. One of the two, but I read it. It does take a little bit. takes some like uh, it perseverance is a big one.
0: Think of all the CW shows I could watch in the amount of time. No,
1: that. I'm not going to do that.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I, I think what I also really like about this scene and You basically, it's the whole first episode, right? All this world building you see on the board. They don't use the term, but it's a bunch of technically experimental theology, a.k.a. mathematics. And it's funny how they're weaving that together with the religion, because in the middle of all this, like, I don't know, math, there's a Venn diagram of like Earth. And then the other one is heaven and hell. And I found that really interesting that heaven and hell are on the same plane in this Venn diagram and not in separate worlds. Yeah. And then she also, like, apparently Lyra pays attention enough in class to be able to recite things and be like, can you read this very, very specific long thing (laughs) to me? And then she... The scene, actually, in this library starts out with the librarian quoting a passage from the Book of Genesis, uh, but it has a twist on it, right? Which is very fun, and we get that entire passage in his dark in Northern light slash the golden compass regarding demons.
1: And it takes place in the garden of Eden. And it's like, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall surely not die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and your demons shall assume their true forms, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to reveal the true form of one's demon, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they saw the true form of their demons, and spoke with them. But when the man and the woman knew their own demons, they knew that a great change had come upon them. For until that moment it had seemed they were at one with all the creatures of the earth and the air, and there was no difference between them. And they saw the difference, and they knew good and evil, and they were ashamed, and they sewed fig leaves together to cover Their nakedness. The passage that
0: uh is quoted in this episode is regarding and your demons shall assume their true forms, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So there's a lot of talk of demons settling.
1: You missed this thing in last night's his dark materials that links to this other thing. Like this should be everywhere. That's like a very like as far as subtext and like a quiet like Easter egg goes. This is a huge fucking Easter egg, in my opinion. Not everyone, I guess, had very Christian households. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they did, but
0: I... Maybe you should cut that out. I didn't mean that as, like, a
1: dig. I'm just, like... I just feel like this is big. This is a big one. I was just like, wow, good job. I, I-, I heard it, and I knew it was, like, a Bible passage, off the top of my head i was like oh is that genesis is that matthew i don't fucking remember but i i quit catechism okay no i didn't actually i i got through catechism i don't know how i got through catechism but i got through catechism we don't have to talk about it matthew's in the whole other testament <laughs> exactly i don't know <laughs> shit about shit dude but i got um, through catechism so imagine all the people to get through and then go to work for the magisterium okay so I I it
0: stuck out to me because when I reread the series as we did recently and are doing again right after having reread it um I loved this twist on on the book of Genesis because it it felt like this great element of world building of showing hey this is how this is slightly different but similar to us and and uh is a point of familiarity with again that twist on it and I kept waiting for more weird bible passages throughout the rest of uh, the books and and we got none
1: (laughs) but this one is kind of a lot i'm yeah i'm really like thinking about this and i'm like they really read this yeah they did that's amazing i thought this right here almost excuses all of the other sins really i would almost excuse the big sin capital b capital b for billy Yep, but I would never excuse that because I'm not a fucking treasonous bitch.
0: Betrayal. God,
1: betrayal. I've been betrayed. I just... <laughs> we're gonna get there, yeah. but I can't believe they did this to us. So, glossing past Eliana's brilliant revelations, which one? The one where the seal breaks? We don't know. Different book. Different book. That's literally on the other side of the whole
0: ass book, Chloe. I don't know revelations. of books.
1: <laughs> God, so we get a mini-scene. Some of these scenes are like mini-scenes, right? They're like a 30-second, one-minute scene of the Master and his demon. They had been poring over alethiometer books, which I thought was a great, great, really nice thing. Like, I just, this scene is really nice. It's so short, but it tells so much. They're poring over books, and they have the alethiometer there, and he looks up and says, Asriel's here. It's time. His demon encourages him and says, yep, you have to do it, and did you know Pullman's demon is a raven? I see it. He loves birds like that. Crows, ravens, all of it. He says they're clever. He just says he loves those birds. So the master is his self-insert. You know, <laughs> yes, but I argue Malcolm Polstead is too. Welcome to my mm-hmm. essay. <laughs> one day, one day I'll be able to read it, you know? Yeah, Who I knows know. When? Malcolm Polstead is my insert, honestly. Oh. He's my son. Fascinating.
0: The master and the steward try to poison Asriel, Lyra and Pan watch from the window, and then when Asriel comes in, he's totally about to drink it. Yeah, idiot. (laughs) And then Stalmari says some, like, sassy good stuff and lays it all down luxuriously, and then (laughs) Lyra jumps in, breaks it on the ground, and Asriel's like, what? And then he shoves the wine bottle believing her, right? And they're like, it's poison! Lyra's waited to speak with him for a year, and he's like, all right, great, I have a job for you. She's like, I don't want a job. He's like, you have a job now, and puts her in the little <laughs> fucking, like, I don't know, pew? Nobody puts baby in the pew. <laughs> she, he does. And he's like, I want you to listen to how everyone re- reacts to the word dust. Especially
1: the master, though.
0: Yes, Specifically
1: true. about dust. Uh, and then later he's like, I'm not going to tell you about dust. <laughs> bitch um i i kind of liked how he was cruel ish in this i don't know not cruel but i liked that he was like not sweet to her or anything like uh the sympathy cut itself right like so we saw asriel in the first scene you feel a little sympathy like this guy's doing the best he can for his kid you see asriel later and you know what i mean bitch <laughs> um, <laughs> What we as an audience are presented in this TV show is different from what we as a Girls Gone Canon know, okay? (laughs) So he's presented a little sympathetically in the beginning of the episode. And here, like, it just shows he's kind of a dick. He's a little mouthy. He's all like, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about James McAvoy overall still, but I do think this was good. I think that his acting from here on out was definitely good, especially second half of the episode, I think was good. Yeah, it was way Um, better. I loved Lyra Said Ain't. And she said it like perfect, like uh, Daphne Keane somehow said ent or ain't or I can't say it. I'm not Daphne Keene. I'm not Lyra, no. but she did and she did it perfectly. And it was just I don't know. The sound of it was good. Did anyone else feel this way? Was it just me? Because it just sounded good. She's very cute and good as Lyra. I think she's the right choice. I do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And when I heard that she was cast in this, I was like, clearly they're casting her as Lyra, and it, it's yeah. a great choice. Duh.
1: Um, you know, I wasn't mad. I know a couple of people were like, eh, they couldn't put her in the closet, but I wasn't even mad about the closet in this, like not being in the cupboard thing. Who gives I, a shit about the closet? <laughs> I so like I have the vision in my head of her falling asleep and the perfumed uh, poppy perfumed air and like her falling asleep in that closet amidst the robes and pan waking her up i see that in my head but i'm not disappointed i think it was fine changing it to the window i get it this is something that would save you like two whole minutes dude
0: it's not even that i think that maybe the sneaking in the hallway etc there was so much world building and so much back and forth between her and pan of like are we gonna get punished are we not right and it's a great opening scene, very fun for the books, but you need something a little more dynamic for a visual medium.
1: Which is where they pulled this Belle Sauvage crap and it came really well to open with that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole idea, I, I would argue, like, the whole idea obviously is that like, it's the anti-Susan, right? A girl's in a closet overhearing here in conversation she shouldn't. Mm. Um, it's interesting. Very nega-Susan. And I get that, the way he goes to the story. He wants to disprove that, as we said at the top. But I I think it's fine here. Um, Even though, I I mean, and I'll still enjoy this beautiful vision in my head of like the light smoke going up from the incensed poppy. Not the incested poppy, but the incensed poppy. Mm -hmm. Um, I can still see that. And this was fine, but I, I do think it was fine. It is interesting that the Golden Compass actually did it with her in the closet, though, and did her walking with Pan on the table and chairs and checking out what's going on in the retiring room. The retiring room was a place, a place we never come back to, but it was a very important place.
0: Yeah. And this actually is a little similar, right, to the way they played in the Golden Compass movie, because in in the books, Lyra just peeps like, no, in terms of don't drink the Takei. Mm-hmm. But here- She
1: jumps out of the window. She-
0: yeah, she jumps out of the window. She does the same thing that she does in the movie, right? In In terms of knocking the glass out of Asriel's hand. Uh, the the interactions between, like, how Asriel acts towards Lyra, I think, feels pretty accurate to the way he's portrayed in the books. I get what you're saying about... I understand how it can be meaningful in the context of uh, reacting to Narnia. I'm fine with it not being the opening scene, if that if that is an issue. I think that the establishing... I think that the establishment of Roger and Lyra's relationship is more important, especially because, in many ways, Roger's a driving force for a lot of her story.
1: Yeah, and they really put the focus on that, I feel like, in this episode, mm-hmm. and I think I would sacrifice that for the retiring room. Absolutely. Yeah, um, maybe that makes us heretics. I'm into heresy, and that is what Asriel is preaching in the next Mm -hmm. scene, right? Uh, The scholars watch Asriel's little skit. The master opens up, and he's like, Jordan will listen to you, but they can't be a place of gossip. And the master says a bunch of stuff that we'll talk about in a minute. Read between the lines. Uh, Asriel Asriel presents some photograms prepared in different emulsions. One's just a normal-ish photo. The other shows dust. Asriel uses it as proof that dust is only attracted to adults in the photo without explaining it, which we'll talk about as well, like the Magisterium has been theorizing. He shows them the aurora, and there there is a city within it in that second emulsion, which puts the scholars in an uproar, which actually I was happy about that, very much so like the books. Uh, Lyra is sitting there watching that beauty of that city, and I loved that in my little shipper heart Mm -hmm. because she was like, It's beautiful. And I was like, you have no clue what you're going to find there, Lyra. No clue. You're going to find a a family and a home and not. You're also going to find horrible things. Anyways, so the master tries to shut all this down. He's like, this is heresy. And Azriel pulls out his final card. The head rolls. It's Grumman's head to be uh, frank. Stanislaus Grumman's head rolls. It's here. He blames the magisterium. Stanislaus's death, which is kind of a big boss move. And he's like, Grumman was fighting for true academic freedom, that which the master wanted to silence, and that you need to fund me so I can keep researching. And then he says, and I thought this was very interesting the way it was phrased, who will stand against me, not with him, against him. Mm. Very smart. He played that well. This is where I thought James McAvoy really shined. Um yeah, There was a lot of read between the lines on the speech of the Master. It, it sets up for future books as well with the Magisterium placing laws around scholarship at Jordan. I thought this scene was just great. I think the tone was right. Uh, they cut some of the stuff. I don't know how I felt about cutting it, but they did enough world building that it didn't confuse me. It felt pretty sacred and pretty good enough straight. I'm not mad about that cupboard change, like I said. And I know there's some deeper stuff we can go into, but... I think it was a good solid scene.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there could have been some more Panzerbjörn mentionings, but I just like the word Panzerbjörn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was no uh, Palmyrian, that's a good point.
0: That's true. He wasn't there. Um, so this isn't really the case in the books, but I do like the line of Azriel saying that he brought back Groman's head. As befitting a scholar of this college, and he stresses that since we saw at the beginning of this episode the heads uh, below below the college, so I think that was a good tie in and strengthened that world building. It's also kind of weird to me though. This is something that graded me, and it's really not a big deal but that the photograms that he shows them are in color here because as really like makes a point he's like these are standard silver nitrate emulsion photograms and like in real life photography standard silver nitrate photographs were like some of the first photographs right not the first but some of, some, some of the first ones maybe it is the first i don't know uh ignore my like whatever anyways and frequently they aren't usually in color if you look them up especially a lot of them are in black and white because silver obviously doesn't necessarily have other colors they can be colored right using other dyes but those aren't from the silver so no asriel this is not a standard silver nitrate emulsion that's all i want to say that's what i wanted to get off my chest No,
1: that is kind of like, once you've explained it to me, I'm like, yeah, okay. But I get, I I mean.
0: Just in real life. This is a real life thing.
1: But this isn't real life. It's just fantasy. Caught in a historic materials slide. Um, No, I don't know. I mean, okay. Jack Thorne has invented some other things that were a little weird. So maybe we could chalk it up to that, right? Like Delphine, Lestrange, Voldemort, Riddle. What? Have you read The Cursed Child or even the wiki?
0: No, I haven't yet. I have the book that I tell myself I'm going to read Monday.
1: Um, Let me just save you the tragedy. Don't do it. Bellatrix and Voldemort have a baby. You're I've welcome. heard that
0: part. They time yeah.
1: travel and try to fuck up Scorpio and Severus Elbis, whatever his name is, his life. Um, They try to save Cedric Diggory. They don't win, obviously. It, it's a thing, but I'm just kidding. Uh, the rest of this is decent-ish. But that is kind of like a Pullman said in an interview once, (laughs) somebody asked him, do you do a lot of research? He's like, of course I research, but research needs to stay background, right? Like you don't write about the research, you write as if your character knows the research. Like you use the research when you write, you don't use it to define your work. Then it's a textbook is what he says. Um, Jack Thorne didn't do the same here. So there's another quote that I thought was really cool here, especially regarding all of this discussion, this dust discussion, literally, Asriel, uh is talking about all these different worlds that are a possibility. And they're like, that's heresy. There's only this place where Catholic people rule. I can't believe why we think this is the right choice. Um, and Pullman has said in an interview when asked about different worlds in real life, David Eagleman, an American scientist, once said, if you look at the night sky and hold your thumb and look at your thumbnail, it's covering something like 10,000 galaxies. The amount of stuff up there and the number of planets is infinite. It's not conceivable to me that there isn't life somewhere. I love the idea that he thinks that through all of his things. All of them. Hmm. But that illustrates this. Of possibilities just always floating out there. Eliana, will you talk about one of my favorite not canon scenes, please?
0: So, this is like actually one of my favorite additions to so good. this, yeah, to the series, to this episode, to what they're doing here, where the Egyptians throw a ceremony, right, for Tony Costa. Ma Costa gives him like that hawk ring because his demon settled as a hawk and presents him, yeah, like a debutante. And his little brother Billy, who's a precious cinnamon bun he has like almost no lines but i know he's gonna know die he's, in like three chapters i was gonna say he's adorable oh but sorry yes that too and uh billy's damon apparently now is radder so that that's basically confirmed they they made a point for us to hear that they introduce benjamin de Reuter, and um i do like that he's a little more fleshed out he asks tony to vow to uphold the egyptian ways and to protect and uphold their morals and their people and then billy goes scampering off into the night and then tony's like he's been annoying me so much i'm trying to be a cool older dude now and ma costa's like yeah well she looks up to him she just wants to know that you're still going to be his like big brother and not only a man now and then while he's out there billy gets kidnapped
1: it's too bad you know he gets kidnapped by like this dude that's i don't know whistling wailing singing whistling yeah billy like sees a demon it's a fox Maybe a coyote. I think it's a fox. And they get drawn into it, and then they're kidnapped by him. Yeah. Uh, a couple feelings here. I like that they had the birds and the rafters to like signify demons, because let's get real. The budget can't afford a demon for everyone. It also can't be too busy. Like, If it's too busy, we're going to get distracted. Annoyed. We'll be like, hey, why does it look like this? Uh, so I think the birds and the raptors were a good solution to show you demons still exist here at the the Egyptian thing. Um, I loved this scene in general. I think it was great. We'll talk a little more about speech in a second. I, there was no cult or kidnap. Yeah. I didn't like that. Um. They didn't and, have it at all, interestingly, this episode. You know, the, sh- the the movie, we talked about how they chose to kidnap both boys at once, right? Roger and Billy at once, hanging out, chilling, whatever. Yeah. And I thought that was like a good addition with Coulter, though. It was with Coulter. But here, no Coulter kidnap, which bugs me because we get it in the book. And it tells us like, oh, this lady is bad. Maybe hot, but she's bad. <laughs> and then we get at it, like, later on, you're like, oh, she's pure evil, because she- Lyra's just falling for it, and Lyra doesn't fall for anything. Um, I don't know, it, it, uh, I'll forgive it, obviously, already, like, I'm already over it, but I did note it, like, very heavily, and I was just like, this was a moment I looked at my partner, and I was just like, hmm, interesting.
0: Yeah, they did the same thing, right? Like, where they reversed the order of that reveal, I guess, but... I mean, they obviously had to have reversed it here because we still haven't gotten the reveal that Coulter's involved in in here, but... It's important yeah, to they did me that. to have
1: that first. Like, it's important because then you go into it knowing she's bad and Lyra doesn't know, and it's like Lyra has a little bit of a betrayal. Then you find out it's Coulter. Like, you know who she is finally, and you're like, oh, it's her mother.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's that irony that comes with knowing that Mrs. Coulter is the one that is kidnapping the kids and it kind of heightens the stakes for Lyra being with her the whole time. But maybe, I don't know, maybe we're just wedded to this idea and there's a benefit to doing it the other way. We're going to see it play out. We've seen it play out one way. And, you know, the Golden Compass movie was not the best execution of it, so. Right, right who knows maybe we'll feel differently in a few episodes i don't know
1: billy costa though oh
0: my god so adorable and punch you in his little glasses and his fucking little surprised. sweater vest
1: i felt like in the books he was like the asshole jock kid really a little bit like i felt like he was the leader and he was cool and he was like the other gang's leader
0: i think they're having tony take more of that role
1: oh tony who's not in the show No, Tony Costa. Oh, right, right. You know, I agree. Also, I was like, is that Ezra Miller? It's not, but... No. I knew you'd laugh at that, though. Thank you. Thank you for humoring me. Because I was like, what? Who is this kid? It looks like a young Ezra Miller. I'm like, are you in Perks of Being a Wallflower? Um, I don't know. Uh, In the speech that was given, there was that line about one unified family. And then the next scene is Azriel putting Lyra to bed.
0: Oh, yeah. And then
1: Lyra meets Marisa later. Yeah. I'm a little sad. Are you sad? No. It's a bummer, dude. <laughs> not about it. It's a, uh, it's a bummer. I don't love Lyra- it.
0: Lyra has a different family, and it
1: doesn't happen to be related to her by blood. No, not at all. She has a dad. His name's Lee Scoresby. She has a mom. Her name's Serafina Pacala. Oh, I um, met
0: Dr. Carney and the librarian.
1: Oh, them two. So... <laughs>
0: Dude, that guy was going to murder for her.
1: I know, and I love that. I don't know. I I love the Egyptian stuff. I think this is really good, and especially because, as we're going to see as we go on, they become an actual, like, people and being. Like, their story is separate from this. This is about their story and their suffering, their children going missing. It's It's really hard-hitting.
0: Yeah, I love the emphasis on it for the reasons that you just said. And also I think from a narrative level, I think it's really smart to establish the Egyptian storyline separately at first. It makes the world feel bigger. It makes the stakes higher, right? Because we see how it's affecting like their entire their entire community and I think it will make it a little stronger when everything like converges. It'll probably be next episode, whatever. But like in general, I I just have really loved this scene and its addition because by having this ceremony, we get so much information about the Egyptians and their culture. It's a huge community, right? You said you talked about that unified family. And when one of them becomes an adult, all of them come out to celebrate this. It's, It's such a momentous, big thing that everyone is here to enjoy it, to witness it. You have the adults, right? But we see a close-up of lots of faces of children because they're being inducted and seeing like, oh, this is what it means to be a part of this community. It reinforces that collective identity in, in, I think, a very positive way. And we get that emphasis again when Benjamin talks about the creation of the ring that Ma Costa gave to Billy, right? That all of them came together. They all contributed a little bit of that silver not Billy, that Ma Costa gave to Tony, that all of them came together, right? And they contributed a little bit of this silver to create that ring. And I think that's just such a beautiful interpretation of what it means to become an adult, right? For them coming together as a community to welcome this young person and then another one, another adult comes forward to mentor them and guide them. It's just really great. And I think that this idea of the coming of age, that rite of passage, which is what this is presented as, is something you see in a lot of cultures. Like Some people might be more familiar with like the idea of the bar mitzvah or the bat mitzvah. You've probably encountered that somewhere. You've maybe heard of like something called the quinceanera. In the Philippines, we have something that's called the debu. Uh, the quinceanera and the debu are very gendered, right? Uh, often it has that aspect of like, oh young a girl is becoming a woman and being presented right to the community um but here that idea is flipped on its head where it's a mother presenting her son and you see that a lot of the language is similar to that idea of a marriage and i think that's part of that responsibility again of adulthood because they're committing themselves to the Egyptians, to their people and entering this very communal relationship with them we do we do. And this exploration of that coming of age is a big part of Pullman's story. And I think it's great that we're getting it right from the jump with this first episode. Like, the story's establishing it. This is, like, the first 20 to 30 minutes. It's very smart. And to quote from an interview that Pullman did... um and that was actually, like, some of this was tweeted out a little, like, around the time of this release. Pullman says, the story as a whole concerns something that every one of us goes through in our life, and that's the change from childhood to adulthood, from innocence to experience, the way we apprehend things, the way we think of things, the way we see the world, that's at the heart of the story. Later on, he talks about, he's like, I don't know what the demons were there for at first, but then I figured it out, he's like, I could use the demons... To signal the difference between being a child, which is malleable and flexible when your demon can change shape, and gradually becoming an adult when your demon settles in one fixed form. And I think that last part and having this ceremony, that's absolutely what's at play here. And it's nice to see the first episode center that so that it can be a through line for the rest of the story in the next few seasons even.
1: I think that sense of community is so strong here. I think they're very much so developed as their own people, which I feel Mm -hmm. good about. Um, It's like you're following different factions. Again, it's BBC, HBO. They want you to clearly know who you're following, you know, like whether you're a House Stark or a House (laughs) Target. You know what I mean? Like they want you to choose someone. Um, The time has come to choose a side. (laughs) Choose a side. That's like the whole thing. They want you to choose a character get obsessed about them obviously everyone's gonna be obsessed about lyra because she's the best Lyra, Lyra. but this just ties so many good things about world building right in the book we hopefully we'll hear about this next episode i'm guessing too if they deign to put it in here but like the egyptians uh they all come together and put money and gold and silver toward finding their kids together, right? Like each clan is called upon and said, Hey, you need to bring us what gold or silver you had. And they come forward and say, we've given this much silver. We will help to find these children. These are our people. And so it really established their culture. Um, I feel like as an added scene, it's really good. Like really good. Like I don't feel good about added scenes. Usually I'm a game of Thrones person. So you know I hate anything that's not from the books, but this felt good.
0: Yeah. it All around, I support what was happening here. It it, it was just, I think, really smart and very well done, and I'm excited. But, coming off of that, Azrael and Selmaria are exhaustedly celebrating their win when they remember, oh yeah, that's right,
1: Lyra's on the bench. Yeah, she's out there. <laughs> he's uh, literally about to forget his daughter he so is and this is such a tough scene it makes me feel too sympathetic toward him again I feel like this whole episode is just like everybody like Azriel. I don't want to like Azriel. I no. hate him like I don't want like I'm conflicted like his end I don't know if I really feel good about it like I don't care good I'm glad you died doing that fuck you um, mm-hmm. I never forgave him. It, it, the good doesn't wash out the bad. Wow. So, he carries Lyra off to bed. I don't want to feel sympathetic. Fuck you. Show Azriel. Fuck Asriel. And we get to look at him and he stares at the postcards and maps of the north that Lyra has on her wall in her bedroom in Jordan. He tucks her in. Panna's clutched at her chest he unties and takes off her shoes Lyra wakes up and he's like oh now you wake up like I carried you all the way up here and she's like did you get your money and he says yes yes I did and then she asks him out dust and he's like no you're better off not knowing yet and she's like you made me spy about it though and he's like (laughs) "Aunt," he's like I didn't ask you to report out right she wants to see Gremlin's head and he's like, no, absolutely not. Why would I show you that head? But also knowing what we know about Azriel, It's like, oh, okay, because she's too clever. Good to know. She asks if they can trust the master. And then he says he doesn't trust anyone. Whoa. Edgy. She's like, can I go north with you? And he's like, good night. <laughs> that's it. That's literally, that's the scene. Um Eliana. Did you read the postcard on the wall? I did. Did you zoom real close and read about it? Because I will read it to you. Please read it to me, Chloe. I want Mm -hmm. to relive it. Lyra. Reports have reached me that you stole Egyptian boat. Tenacity aside, eh? it would serve you to apply the zeal against the cost of children to your tuition with Charles. Regards, Asriel. Oh. (laughs) Oh, poor Charles
0: also I'm I'm glad um, it was important to me because I wasn't sure if we were going to get reference to the bug it's close enough this is I think what I'm going to get but I firmly believe in this bug I might not firmly believe in this bug anymore but I do oh my god I'll never forget your bug thank you I saw this hilarious joke on Twitter um, when Asriel's like, in it. I remembered it when Lyra was asking if Azriel got the money. And I don't know who it was who said it, but they were saying like the most, I don't know, unbelievable or unrealistic part of his dark materials was how
1: quickly the university gave Azriel a research grant. And I was yeah. like, lol. I did like the the means he did use, not to get too serious, but like the means he actually used to do it where he was like, who will stand against me? It was a threat. It wasn't a question. It was, who dares? Please tell me. Who has connections enough to defeat me at this point? Um, It's probably literally anyone, to be honest. He's not well liked. He's really not. uh, Everybody was like Northern Conspiracy about it. They'd be like, bye, Asriel. Which they kind of try to do in the first book. They do. They do. Um. That's sad. Uh, It stuck out like a sore thumb. It's obviously why like, Lyra has to be different from them, right? Yeah, that's true. They don't trust anyone. Uh, There's a lot of Coulter-Asriel feelings in this episode. Mm. I feel like the actors themselves did a great job of like I don't know, just bucking around, kind of swimming around those feelings, it, it it pulled up real well, and that especially. I don't trust anyone. and That's why Lyra's not like you.
0: I guess she could have learned that lesson right for towards the end of the season slash book, whatever. That's true,
1: but eh, I don't know. The lesson she does learn is about poison. Next. The master and the librarian are discussing poisoning asriel next uh the librarian's not happy with the idea the master's like the balance is at stake of the college and like at the time i feel like it sounds weak but no it's not it's true he has to retain that balance to keep everyone safe i understand the master so much more now now that i finished the commonwealth i'm just like sitting here and i'm like that poor man um, he reveals that the Alethiometer says if Asriel continues, it could be bad for everyone, and especially Lyra, their favorite person. He- Lyra! He talks about the part she has to play, and that she has to make a journey, and that she has to do the whole betrayal thing. Uh, I love that they kept this in, es- especially that he said Lyra will be the betrayer, the experience will be horrible. And then, also, we have to watch that on a screen, and you're going to cry, yeah, I will too, I will cry
0: absolutely i I like that they kept the sin. I like that they kept the master as the poisoner i think I think it they did a good job of he he's got a in a mini way, right, a reverse Azrael and Coulter, he does this bad thing at the beginning, then we see actually like no, the master's legit. I really like his glasses.
1: I remember the first time I like when I read, realized i like, like when I got to it in the third book, when I finally realized, like, that was yeah. the hardest choice.
0: He's like, "Do I choose to try and kill her dad to protect her? What do I do?" Yeah, that's a
1: lot. All he's ever wanted to do was yeah,
0: and her. and you get that especially like in this conversation they have a lot of the same dialogue that is in the books but there's some added stuff but I it, it was executed really well with the librarian you know saying Lyra of like but she's just an innocent girl and she needs to stay one which has meant protecting her
1: so sad. I mean they're
0: they're the ones who have been raising her this whole time they're her dads they love her We I know. see it so clearly but I, and what I like about the language here is, you know, she's not going to be an innocent girl forever. She she doesn't need to stay one because eventually, as Polman is saying, this is something everyone goes through. Everyone has to grow up. And the librarian insists on this. He says, we can keep her here. We must. And then a few a few beats later, the master responds
1: with. All we can be is scared for her and scared of her. Oh, I think it's just such
0: a great analog for, I think, what it means probably to be a parent, right? You have to let them make their own choices. You can't keep her here. And the Master intentionally makes that happen, right? By bringing Mrs. Coulter here to send Lyra off. He's like, we we can't. She has to live her life. And i think that this is really very similar to the scene in finding nemo where marlin has that revelation about parenting he's holding on to the little tongue knob inside the whale and dory's like you gotta let go and he's like how do i know it's gonna be okay and she's like you don't <laughs> and that's that was the metaphor for parenting letting go of the little tongue taste bud it's the same energy Aliana, as the
1: scene <laughs> i'm really glad you brought me all this parenting from you I-
0: Yep. Yeah. Find- from Finding Nemo, also. I mean, that's about animals, and theoretically this book is also about animals.
1: I... Uh, good! <laughs> I did it. This is good, I did you did it. Have you mentioned all this to your partner yet? No, but I will. Okay, good. So, <laughs> the next scene is really nice. It's a good building scene, and it ends pretty high up. Uh, Roger is in the kitchens. He brings food to Lyra
0: so lyra updates roger on what happened in the knot cupboard in in the bench um as best she can with everyone talking about dust and he's like why the fuck are we talking about dust and he tells her actually that billy costa is missing and rumors of the goblers and lyra's like goblers aren't fucking real and she's like the Egyptians are gonna find him it's fine and Roger's like, don't blame me when I get
1: to say I told you so. Rude. That's so rude. Why would you actually write that into a script? Don't blame me when I get to say I told you so.
0: What Especially, the
1: fuck?
0: Do you mean rude because of what happens to Roger? Yes, that's what I'm yeah, fucking yeah. saying.
1: What it's the really fuck? It's really painful. I'm like,
0: damn. Who would say that?
1: Uh, He tells her, Roger. he's like, oh, by the way, your your uncle is leaving. I was about to say your dad. Your uncle's yeah. leaving. And she's like, I have to go. She like, runs to find him. He's packing up his airship. And, and then he, Roger
0: runs right behind her,
1: too. Oh, my son. Oh. Azriel yells back at Lyra, and he's like, what are you doing here? Interesting. Uh, I'm busy. And he says that he'll visit her on the way back, that she's a good girl. And still, Maria is also rushing him out at this point. He takes Lyra aside, and he says, I'm sorry, but I don't have a lot of time for you now. He just straight up says, I don't have time for you now. I'm like, have you ever had time for her? Never. Not once. No.
0: no. She should have been a Marlin. But no, she
1: had the master and the librarian. I love the dialogue from this scene. It's yeah. sad. It, it makes me really sad. It's all very weighted. Yeah. <sighs> Take me with you. We'd have lots of time then. The
0: noise. Wait, we're is, not, are we really going to read this aloud? Yeah, I'm I Azrael. Really aloud. Say okay. I'm daddy. Okay, we're at, we're reenacting these seeds. Are you so not that Chloe can be daddy?
1: Daddy. Oh, daddy. so I can be daddy. I'm daddy. <laughs> Take me
0: with you. We'd have lots of time then.
1: The North is no place for a child.
0: Did it look like this? What? The airship that my parents died in. No,
1: it was smaller oh god damn it that's sad i'm sure there's like a metaphor there but
0: he's like what the fuck is she talking about then he's like oh that's right that's right we told her her parents died
1: i am her (laughs) parents um what are you doing here frowny face yeah yep that's a uh there's a lot of build-up i like the emotion they're bringing to this um when Daphne Keene cries, oh man, I cry. Uh, That was...
0: Yeah, she doesn't hold back. She doesn't hold back when it comes to, to acting things. and I think that's part of what makes her such a great actress.
1: She's an emotional character, right? You don't see it as much in the books. I feel like Philip Pullman doesn't explore all of the emotions that he could. Because Lyra is an emotional character, right? She's a lonely girl. She's lonely. She invents stories and lies that she tells all the time. She has to be the leader to tell these lies. She, She's a lonely girl. She's alone. Yeah, she's the only
0: child amongst a bun- bunch of adults. Um, yeah. I, I also really loved Roger's role in this scene. His actors are so good.
1: Yeah.
0: If the North is like... I don't know. I, I wanna to touch again on like if the north is no place for mm-hmm. a child, it makes what happens in the rest of like this portion of the book all that much sadder. Yeah. See what's happening in Bolvangar.
1: Right? It's rough. It's uh They're not supposed line, to be there. It the north is no place for a child, Asriel says, but where does he find a child?
0: In the north. And where are all the children being taken to a place that
1: they shouldn't be? I didn't like the closing line to this, like, the the back and forth of Roger and Azriel. the first time I saw it, I liked it better the second time. I thought it was a little cheesy at first, but the whole, you know, she's special. She's better than you know. Like, she's special. Everyone's special. Yeah, I like that
0: Roger doesn't give a shit though. He's like, whatever. Yeah. I'm gonna talk back to Lord Azriel, and I'm like, good for
1: you, Roger. Everybody wants to. Yeah. Or is it just us? I don't know. <laughs> um, the Egyptians are working in a big hall. Benjamin is leading them. And John Fa and Farter Corum appear. Farder Oh my god! That happens first! Beep, 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 beep. Early. I'm glad it happened early. Yeah. Um I think it's great. But it's a smarter choice to to establish them earlier. Yeah. Benjamin is organizing teams to check around the city. Uh John and Fartor Coram think the gobblers would have gotten him out of Oxford by now. But as we learn, the gobblers are real. Elsie Mormont, I mean, Coram and Trexel, sorry, wrong person, speaks some wisdom. He says, look, we think the children are going to London. They must go there next. Tony is like, Ma would never agree to go to London. And John Faw's like, we'll search and we'll make the next move.
0: So I just want to touch on quickly how I enjoy that they've been giving Benjamin a lot more screen time in this adaptation. I think he's a great foil to Tony's insecurity as a blossoming adult, but I think it also means that it's going to hurt a lot more when he dies.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why they're building him up, right? Like he won't just be the guy that was with Egyptians. He's had a name since the first episode. That's awesome. um i'd love that we're exploring these characters now so that we'll have those feelings later there's something the movie didn't really hit the show's laughing them on this that they're bringing these elements in of these people these characters um a lot of the stuff for this little knife lore is coming into play it's smart it's a really smart way to adapt this uh we're gonna care when he dies we're going to care. Jon Thaw and Quorum coming in is also so smart. It is instructing the next episode, so it's like it's not new to us, it's new Lyra, so we can feel what Lyra feels easier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, they're laying the groundwork I think in a really smart way this episode.
1: Yeah. They're covering a lot of ground, mm-hmm. and that's what's impressive here is how much they're covering.
0: Yeah. Lyra and Roger discuss leaving to go north, and Roger reminds her, "Oh, uh, we're orphans. I work here.. <laughs> uh, <that's right. laughs> yep. No one's going to pay for us to fucking go north." And Lyra's like, "But I know we're going to go. I feel it in my jellies. <laughs> she makes little bird hand puppets against a map of the North for the while, and I don't know, feels like maybe bird demons like witches
1: up in the north. Oh, like Kaisa? You think about Kaisa? I am thinking about (sighs) Kaisa. What a scene, because you know only one of them is going there in this fashion. Wow. Rude. We got an interesting made up for TV scene the Magisterium, Eliana. Uh, Lord Boreal is Mm -hmm. hot, he's young. He's got some sexy hair. I'm into him. He's walking with a dude that I'm... I'm presuming he's Fra Pavel. Uh, yeah. They call him Father. So, same character. They're discussing Sidigaze, the city in the sky. And they're discussing heresy. The Father tells Boreal, Do everything in your power to find out what Azriel's doing. But do not mention it to our mutual friends, including her Hoomst, no. Clue. Scarlett Johansson? Yep.
0: In the, the movie Her. Yeah, I yeah. I like this portrayal of Boreal. It makes more sense to me, honestly. Um The Magisterium, you know, they are going in with the whole religious overtones in this, which I think is good. They obviously cut that out in the Golden Compass it's subtle right some of the way that they're doing it they they have it with some of this father language but and and the costumes that they are dressed in they do look like right they look less like ooh fancy folk and more like priestly frocks um the symbols that are decorating the magisterium it is a little interesting to me that they don't have very much iconography right? if it's going to be inspired by the Catholic Church or but I mean there's nothing really I think in the books you can see it a little but there's nothing that specifies a uh, particular Christian sect
1: I thought it was interesting that in the movie they gave them those crazy M's right like those crazy M's here's my huge M necklace Um, and they're downplaying it a little but I mean we still got to see it so that was cool like we saw the magisterium
0: yeah, this one they're not doing the M's. They're going for it. They're yeah. doing the same the artistic motifs for that when I first saw it, I was like, "Uh, where is it?" It looked like a flower. Then I realized, um, watching it the second time around, that those are in fact crosses. They don't look like uh the more recognizable T shape of the crucifix people might be familiar with, but it is I think most similar to a Canterbury cross. It's just a different stylization of the cross.
1: Yeah, I could see that.
0: So they're not shying super far away from it. It's still there.
1: (sighs) Well, speaking of her, the her (laughs) that they don't... Her her dark materials, not her, not... (laughs) Settle down there, gob. Um, Job. Job. (laughs) Villain music comes on. I thought that was a little cheesy. Her the person that they're not supposed to talk to about this, shows up. It's that bitch. Here she is. It's Marisa Coulter, nay Van Zee. Yep. Yeah.
0: And she walks in during prayer and every man in the room stops thinking about God to go look at her.
1: <laughs> Do they? Do they. this is your line you gotta do it she's uh she's fierce she's here she's hell in high heels she's gonna charm lyra and she does but not before her voldemort nose having monkey fucking demon stares at us gross what is up with those nostrils
0: i like them i like how weird they are do you really i think i just like strange looking animals
1: uh, I don't love that Lyra ignores Roger during all of this even though he's like, hi, it's me, I'm your only friend at dinner. Um, yikes. Which I think this will probably be good when Pan yells at her about Coulter later. Right? Like he'll yeah. probably bring this up, I'm guessing. But uh, Coulter name drops Asriel super lightly and they talk about the North and the Pants you're born, which they call Armored Bears better than Ice Bear. <laughs>
0: I mean they are actually
1: armored bears. Yeah, so, so I think it's okay. It's a good delineation, yeah. And it's enough of a nod towards the future, right? She's like, "Oh, yeah, the the armored bears. I've negotiated with them." Yeah. Interesting. I,
0: I, it is interesting and I mean we'll see that play out later. And then she tells Lyra, "I got a job for you. Uh, you're hired."
1: Why is everyone hiring Lyra?
0: Yeah. Well, before she didn't want that job and this one she's like, "Yeah, word. Let's do it. But also I want to bring Roger. We're two for deal." Um,
1: yeah, so he can cook and clean she offers.
0: Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. And then Roger's like, "We don't need that. I've got a household staff." And then finally she's like, "All right, fine. The boy from the common hall can come." And Lyra hugs her.
1: It's so sad. It's such a sad hug. Coulter's like, oh, I'm touching my daughter. I'm holding her. This is the first time I've gotten to hold her like this. Yeah. But then she's also gonna go, like, do some evil. Fuck them kids. Fuck them kids. Thank you for keeping me, like, focused. Yeah. Honestly. This is the the heart of the episode, really. The the heart of the whole series. Fuck them kids. Um... I don't know. I don't want to complain because I still think it's fine. But a couple things. There was no Dame Hannah. I do wish there were a Dame Hannah. There was no Mrs. Lonsdale in this whole thing. Yeah. That was yeah. easy and they chose not to. They chose to adapt La Belle Sauvage, but not one of its main characters. Uh, they could have made the professor in the lesson a different person. Maybe Professor Polstead. Don't, don't worry about it, Eliana. But what do I know? You know, it's still good. I'm just saying, these are easy Easter eggs. You can make any person that read the books be very impressed with you. But I guess it's not for us. It's not for me. It's not for us. Um, it's not for me. It's for the public. It's for the public. It's for the people. The villain music when Mrs. Coulter walked in. Yeah, a little bit much.
0: Very March-like, which I thought was interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they didn't kind of do that. Yeah, like, the whole thing, I was just like, we get it, she's bad. Uh, You could have just shown the scene where she kidnapped the kid instead. Yeah,
0: that was the, c- so the scene, the introduction of Mrs. Coulter, I think what I was struck by is, it, for me, felt like the one that was most similar to what they did in the Golden Compass movie because it is incredibly different from Lyra's meeting with Mrs. Coulter in the books, right? Both of them are, but they're very similar to one another of her, um, the camera falling behind her. as She enters a crowded room of, I don't know, dinner or some shit and men turning to look at her and then her sitting down, the master introducing Lyra, but there's not that surprise. The master introducing Lyra to Mrs. Coulter is like the same as in the books, but, Yeah,
1: Um, Yeah, it's that that whole charisma and the way Ruth holds herself and where she like smiles at Lyra very secretively and sharing little things there. Yeah. And I mean, when we enter the scene, you get the monkey right away. Um, You don't see Mrs. Coulter. The first pan, no pun intended, that we get, hey, is the pan to the monkey sitting in the seat, then Mrs. Coulter
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah which is that is interesting so you know what to anticipate right then and there The horror of the monkey yeah they they did do a good job though creating such a more charismatic mrs coulter she's very self-effacing right she she plays to lyra by getting lyra to trust her and putting herself down a little she's like oh you're gonna have to teach me about forts like i don't i'm not used to this and then she, like, jokes to Lyra about all of her explorations later and, again, plays it down. She's like, I'm sorry, does this really interest you? I can be quite boring sometimes. And Lyra's like, no, if you're talking about the North, I'm never going to be bored. And, like, she she forces Lyra to re-acknowledge and reinforce that interest.
1: It's almost like and, a, a very, know. like, toxic parent thing of forcing mm-hmm. the kid to love you and whatever you do. You know what I mean? Like, the whole, like... Like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so boring, but you have to love everything I do is just very, like, it's yeah. just a very abusive technique. And it's so horrible to hear it out loud because, like, you know where it all heads. And it, it's drugs. In her mouth. Yeah. In a cave. But.
0: Well, even more than that, it's that idea of isolation. Yeah. The way that Mrs. Coulter seems intent on isolating Lyra a little because... A, she's taking her away. B, Ruth does an amazing job in in acting these scenes and the directing here is great because you have that high Lyra from Roger and then it, it, it cuts back to Mrs. Coulter's face and there's like a slight pause. It's not long. It's incredibly subtle, but you can see that she's displeased by it. It doesn't even really show and register as an expression. Her face doesn't really move, but you can see it. You can see that it, it, she doesn't love it. And this scene is so well done because it's juggling all of these other characters. It's juggling how Roger's reacting to Lyra. It's ju- juggling how Mrs. Coulter is reacting to Lyra, but not really Lyra, who's too entranced with Mrs. Coulter. Yeah, so, but later on, right, when they're talking about going north and, and Mrs. Coulter's like, no, you can't fucking bring Roger. What? Like, she doesn't like Roger being her only friend and being there because she wants to isolate Lyra.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Very much. So it's the only way to get her alone, isolate her, and then go from there. And uh afterwards Lyra goes back and Pan and her chat about Roger going with them, and Pan says some stuff that's like, Lyra, I hope you listen to me and aren't tone deaf, but Lyra's very tone deaf to all this. Pan's like, Have you talked to Roger? About maybe dragging him to go with Mrs. Coulter? You know, like, she wants you to go work for her, yeah. and you're just dragging Roger with you? Have you talked to him? And then it flashes to Roger. It shows him doing some chores, and some eerie music plays, and then it moves on. And there's nothing else. We know what happens. But there's nothing else. Um, I don't know. Lyra's classism kind of shows here. It's addressed in yeah. The Secret Commonwealth. I think it's interesting that it's addressed yeah. then. You will see it. Uh, but it's addressed a little bit. I wouldn't even say it's like addressed fully. But there's a little classism going on here for Lyra. She doesn't realize Lyra's protected by Scholastic Sanctuary. Roger is living by working.
0: Yeah. He's not protected by anything. Nothing. As we find out later on. Especially not from Coulter. God oh, damn it. Especially not from fucking Asriel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a uh, the scene with Roger, though, also well directed and written. I like that it only intimates what happens because we've established this like fox, maybe demon and the whistling. And then right after that, it cuts to Tony Costa comforting Ma Costa for Billy being gone. It's an apt cut. All well structured.
1: Yeah, it's a very quick scene. Very quick, but it's sweet. I think it's important. I really love the Egyptian building. I really love it.
0: Yeah, they're doing some good character work with very little dialogue in that just by showing it.
1: Lyra gets awakened by the librarian, not Mrs. Lonsdale, even though they already named the other housekeeper not Mrs. Lonsdale. It's stupid. It's fine. It's just right there, but we won't talk about it. Um, So the librarian wakes Lyra up and says, hey, before you leave for the rest of your life, you should go talk to the master.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's like, why the fuck am I being woken up this early? bitch? yes, I feel that way. Um, So she does go do that. And the Master and Lyra have their chat. He gives her the Lithiometer, which is one of six ever made. Interesting. He says. Who yeah. wrote
1: this? Wow, they read the books?
0: <laughs> uh, remember in the movie when they're like, there's only one left. And I'm like, literally, it's a plot point. That other people had the elixir. Like you don't even know how a much of a plot
1: point it is. You weren't even there yet. It is. I mean.
0: Yeah, it was. It was a big deal. Um, the master tells Lyra to keep it a secret, keep it safe, and she tries to give it back immediately. Because um, she's like, "I don't want secrets." So I'm like, "Okay, Lyra. Yeah, right." <laughs> I'm like, <"H-> "Excuse you." <laughs> Hilarious.
1: <laughs> you know, I would argue that. She keeps that view pretty consistently throughout the main three books, and especially in the secret commonwealth, when she finds out there were a bunch more really? secrets that were kept from her, she's not happy about it. Um, I thought that was interesting, the way they had her say, like, I don't appreciate the secrets, bitches. That's, uh, that's very yeah. much so where she is at age 20, so interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they tell her, though, that it's for her own protection, and... Then he advises her to keep her own counsel. I love that,
1: straight from the books. Yeah. Love that. Yes. Um, you know, some people are complaining about the shape of the eliometer.
0: You know there there were worse things that have happened to this story. Yep. I just don't
1: have the energy. And I'm going to let I it don't go. Have the energy. I don't. I don't mean to be mean. I just don't have the energy anymore because I watched the movie I've several seen times and I came to Jesus
0: with it. <laughs> Why? Did you- that's right. I forgot you would watched it several times. Like yeah. four times. So. I've seen I've seen the possibilities out there and I'm like this is fine. (laughs) I will let it go, yeah, actually though. (laughs) Um, (sighs) Okay. So
1: Pan is cute.
0: Pan is cute. I've been really just appreciating how adorable he is. He was like sniffing sniffing at it and like remarking on it. I'm like, oh,
1: small pad. I just felt good about it. I just I loved him being little being so little. I, sniff, no. sniff, I don't know. Pan uh, had great interactions. I look forward to that going forward. Lyra yeah. and Pan wake up and they look for Roger and they can't find him anywhere. They go like everywhere. It yeah. It, it's nice though. It's a subtly done thing how Lyra goes throughout Jordan to find him.
0: Yeah, I mean, they revisit all of the places that we saw right at the beginning of the episode, which I think this makes it really well structured. Yeah.
1: Brings it together well.
0: Uh, Yeah, it's a good tie-in. Um, and I, I like Pan saying to Lyra as they go to the crypts, like, this is the last place he'd be, and on one hand, yes, we know that Roger hated it because he was terrified of it, but also it, yes, it's literally going to be the last place he would be uh, because he dies. Yep.
1: Lol. God. Thanks, Aliana. <laughs> You're welcome. So the Egyptian leaders head to the Costa boat. Uh, Fa and Korm and Trexel show up. Ma Costa refuses to believe that the gobblers are real and that Billy is out there somewhere. But John Fa tells her they are real and she knows they need to keep moving and they'll bring the children back.
0: Yes, and we ha- we established that 16 children have been taken so far from John Faw. He says and more are being taken now, and they do a good job of establishing, all right, so we're going to go to London, and therefore creates a convergence point uh, for their storyline and Lyra's. Yeah, I like it. that's the timeline that aligns them both, good to
1: know for us.
0: Yeah. So we have Mrs. Coulter and Lyra chatting about Roger's disappearance, and Mrs. Coulter calms her telling her that she will help her
1: find him. And she has this great scene. Yeah, she's like, the Gobblers have to be in London. I don't know that. I'm just telling you because I have ideas that say they're in London. And, you know, in London, there's so many kids, they can disappear like Thanos snap. Uh, Like that. Yeah. I wish I were that good at snapping. Interesting enough, Coulter's not saying this because she's friends with Thanos. She's saying this because it's her that's stealing them it's it her. a little too much truth here. I'm like, okay, Coulter.
0: Yeah. yeah. Especially with her being like, I won't just help. I won't just try. I'll succeed. And I'm like, okay, great. This is the worst way that we could possibly succeed. She wins, but also like, breaks- for her. Well, in terms of like, finding the kids, She's yeah. She's great at finding them. <sighs> That's true. Uh, it really weirds me out how since like, our first introduction to Mrs. Coulter, she just keeps like, touching Lyra's hair and face and like, we've literally just met you. Does I have a bubble? Everyone has
1: a bubble? <laughs> okay. Yeah. But she's looking at her own stuff, man. Yeah. She's like, that's my hair. Those are my eyebrows. That's my face. Yeah. Weird. And Lyra consults the alethiometer, concerned about Roger. To no avail, they get nothing. Lyra confusedly says Coulter's their best chance at getting him back, right? They have to catch the airship, they barely mm-hmm. catch the airship, and they jump on to join Coulter.
0: I just thought the scene was fun of uh, uh, Lyra screaming at the alethiometer like it's fucking <laughs> Siri just really drives you home. Like, Siri, tell me where Roger is! Alexa! Okay, Google, can you search for Roger? And It really just shows you the Master gave her no fucking instructions on how to use this fucking knickknack.
1: Yeah.
0: Just good luck go do it good job here you go keep it secret keep Keep it it safe keep it safe (sighs) yeah
1: uh she does
0: kind of she does kind of she doesn't like literally the monkey sees it in like two seconds
1: but that is an interesting bit uh coulter is awaiting her on the airship when she finally gets on and she wants to start looking for Roger immediately. She's like, we gotta find him. We gotta make a plan. And Coulter's like, we can't talk here. Shh. It's not safe. And we'll have plenty of time to discuss this in the future. So Lyra, of course, who has just heard from a parental ish figure, ish. It's her dad. Uh, who said, I don't have the time for you. Here's, you have the time for me. So that's what she hears here. She, uh, starts to move her lithiometer on her hip. And the monkey is watching her. Volter is subtly looking as well. Lyra watches out the window as the Egyptians roll out at the same exact time. We get the Daenerys Targaryen music from HBO Game of Thrones that plays. Roger's in a cage under the ship, banging on the window.
0: So this is the thing I kind of wanted to come back to and that I realized as um, we were talking about Roger from the tweets of note earlier I think Roger's going to play a much bigger role in this storyline. We had this a separate storyline, right, with Egyptians that's going to converge with Lyra's. I think we're going to get... Roger and Billy aren't going to be kidnapped in the same time like in the Golden Compass movie, but I think that they will meet and converge because we've gotten so much investment on Roger's character and the fact that we get this last scene of him focusing on him in in the ship banging on the window makes me think he gets um a little bit of that storyline then establishing instead.
1: I think he's definitely gonna be more important than he is in the books, uh, and serve a bigger purpose and I I really do think they're expanding on his and Lyra's relationship more here than ever. Yeah. Maybe it's just seeing is believing, but I just feel like the movie did not do enough as far as this goes. And I think the show really made Roger one of their priorities. Uh, they know it's all yeah. about him in the first season. It's Lyra going to get him. She's going to hate. I mean, I, I I don't know if you've watched the next week, like, coming on His Dark Materials thing on HBO, but it shows some episode clips from all of the future, like, up to the finale even. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I saw the that one, one. From the finale that I showed you, I was like, wow! Uh, it shows all of that, so, I don't know, he has to remain a big deal until then. Yeah.
0: So I I think that's something that's going to be an interesting adaptation that I assume we're going to get. And so, yeah, that that's this week. What uh what do you think your
1: biggest likes were, Eliana?
0: I mean, like I we touched on it a little now, right? Roger, yes. and obviously I loved the Egyptian storyline, then it being separate and getting all that fleshed out, and this isn't really alike. But again, I I continue to be fascinated by how similar some of the direction and writing is in this to the way it was adapted for the Golden Compass. Movie. Right, like
1: if New Line had just let them freak. Yeah, yeah.
0: It it kind of tells you, like on one hand, it wasn't necessarily the the choices, right? It was the execution. Yeah, that's true.
1: Um, I like that it's on the air. I like that. I love yep. LaBelle Sauvajnod. Uh, Stelmaria is a queen. A lot of the smaller details and small teens, <laughs> like the librarian's lesson that you pointed out. The Egyptian mm-hmm. building, the world building, they're a whole people, an actual people. Good job.
0: They mm-hmm. exist. I think they've done a good job with like all of those things.
1: Petty dislikes, uh, because I do feel like this was good. Like I said, I, it grew on I me. Mean, yeah. I think it's at like an 8.5 now. It was like a 7 or an 8. Uh, my petty dislikes art. the monkey kind of looks like shit and you like it and I don't it's right. it looks like a monkey
0: I, I think that the other monkey looked creepier to me but I think I also just like I like creepy looking animals I do think, think I animals. like the
1: other the golden compass monkey better Um, its mouth looks like plastic to me
0: I looked at the mouth after you said that I don't get the same okay, feeling
1: well I'm right you're wrong I'm just kidding I don't know. <laughs> uh, the culture reveal. Her kidnapping kids. It was removed for that element of surprise. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, LaBelle Savage Erasure. You don't know a bunch about this yet. I know. I don't want to sound like an asshole here. But I get they want to be smart and give an Easter egg. But like, go out or don't go at all. Like. Give me some Easter eggs, man. Give me Dame Hannah at dinner. Give me Mrs. Lonsdale, the housekeeper. You had a housekeeper with a name that was long and I don't remember it, but it wasn't Lonsdale. You could have just called her Lonsdale. You didn't even have to show her face. Um, you could have brought another character from the Belle Sauvage. You could have brought a professor in who teaches Lyra in classes. Uh, there's a couple of people could have brought in. That's all. It's just a bummer. It's like you guys came so I feel like there was a yeah. lot of. I loved it, but I feel like it was very tame in some manners.
0: I don't know as much about like what what's in La Belle Sauvage that could have been in this and what isn't. I think, um, I mean, for context, right? They, from my understanding, started... I don't remember if they started production on it or they got the green light for it, right? Around 2017, which is when La Belle Sauvage came out. So I think... Maybe they're drawing from it a little, but they don't want to put too much emphasis on it because this is a series that was literally... It's a classic. By 2017, yeah, when when La Belle Sauvage came out, the series had been wrapped up for like 14 to 15 years. And so they didn't feel it was as necessary to pull from.
1: I get that. Um, Because I think
0: the context, they're using it for spice and flavor, but not as something that they felt was important for what the His Dark Materials trilogy was about, because it stand stood alo- yeah, on its own yeah. for a long time.
1: I like it. I do. It's just, there's, uh, you just gotta finish the book, because it's just gonna make you shake your computer. Like, you'll okay. you'll be like, it's fine, like I am. But also, you'll be like, ah, uh, what if? Um, there's just easier ways they could have. But, I don't know, none of that compares to my only big complaint, which is, Tony Markerios gets nothing. for For real.
0: That's the part that bothered me the most, and the, again, this is another thing that the Golden Compass did. The melding of Billy and Tony's characters. Like, you can see that that's what they're doing because they made a point to call out that Billy's demon is named Radder. But there are a lot of reasons I don't like it. A, because Billy's an adorable like little cinnamon bun. Um,
1: I just, he was a very sweet boy. He had big old glasses and yeah. he just loved his family. Why?
0: I mean, Tony. Tony Macarios was also sweet, and I think that was what's imp- was important about his storyline. Like here, yeah, we get a lot of that dramatic pull of Billy's family looking for him, and we still we're still gonna get we still got that right in the books. But for Tony, we got a vignette of his mother, of his life, and I think the point of Tony is it doesn't matter if his family isn't looking for him. It doesn't matter that like his mother she loved him and is sad and felt like she couldn't provide for him. And that's why he ran away. It doesn't matter that no one was able to look out and care for him and find him. What matters is his life still had value. And what was done to him was unjust, regardless of whether or not anyone was looking out for him. And I think that's part of what makes it even more unjust.
1: I think that's one of the things that this really pointed out most, right? Especially is that classism between different groups different you have the Egyptians Mm -hmm. you have the people that are Oxford. um like I said earlier we learn about it in the secret commonwealth but there is a little bit of a come to Jesus moment where Lyra's like oh money's a thing so I like that I'm glad uh you get some fantasy authors that just don't they ignore that kind of stuff right so that's important especially for kind of a spin-off story or a successor story And they are incorporating some of this stuff. So that's kind of what makes me think that it's true. It's not just like a rando fake thing. I don't know. It's it's interesting to see these distinctions between Roger, between Billy, between Lyra, between the Magisterium, between these people. Mm -hmm. It, It gets me really interested for the weeks to come. Like I said, I don't think this could be worse. At no, all. At again,
0: I have seen what bad looks like and this is not that. What's your number? What do you give it out of ten? I don't know. I wanna look at it holistically. Yeah, I get Um you. Yeah, somewhere like in the eights, eight, eight yeah, to nine. That's where I am too. Same as you. It could be like a nine, I don't know. I just like don't think of it, I think, on that scale. I I am very binary. I'm like, did I like it, did I not?
1: Well, I think that's a wrap, right? We uh we covered it all, we hit it all, every single scene. This was our thorough scene-by-scene analysis of *His Dark Materials* yes. season one, episode one, Lyra's Jordan.
0: Thank you for everyone for tuning in, and of course, we are doing a reread of the books. We are wrapping up soon our reread of *Northern Light slash *Golden Compass*, and you can find that on uh, *Girls Gone Canon*. Dot Podbean dot com or any of the other. Mediums that we use iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, ACast. Yeah, all those. All something. Those. Probably.
1: Yeah. And if you had an opinion about the episode, you could send us a couple things. You can send us an email at girlsgonecanon, C A N O N, at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought. Or, of course, leave us an iTunes review. It's been a while log on, leave us a review, hit that five star, and tell us exactly what you think.
0: And um we talked a lot of this episode about the movie The Golden Compass, which again, it's not a great movie, but we did it. We watched it. Um you can check out our review of that on our Patreon for patrons, five dollars and up. We do special episodes. Uh a lot of them have been around a song of Ice and Fire because we started out uh fall rereading the Song of Ice and Fire books.
1: As always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe.
0: And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana.